Hi, welcome back to Freshwater Perspectives. Today we're talking about the world's largest invasive species, Colombian hippos. Stay tuned. Here we go, Riley. What is new? Oh, Matt. Um, recently was Trout Days. We have Trout a city. A city. I live in a town, thirteen hundred people, but they're they claim to famous Trout Days. Okay. And um, you know it was popping. Just kidding. So, just step back. I'm totally being sarcastic. I put in a sump and a radon system this weekend. Oh, good. You finally did that. Good. I did that. So breathe clearly. Um, there was six inches of concrete um, on, <laughs> on our subfloor, oh. and it was an ordeal. Let me tell you. How how'd you get down there to get the sump in? Wait, One, did yours not come with like a drilled like well or anything for your sump? No. We oh. had to drill. We had to cut. Yeah, saw through the sump. You did yeah. it yourself. Wow, I'm yeah, impressed. It's... Well, it's like my parents' house in their basement. It came with like a hole in the ground for the a hole. No. Yeah. Wow. No, I was like, um, what's going on? It was from like, yeah, we, there was a parade. So the parade went, went right in front of my house and we came up for air. Like <laughs> my dad had came and helped me. And uh, we were like, there all of like, watch the parade for like five minutes, 10 minutes. And just right back down the basement. <laughs> back to work. We, so, we so, how'd it out. so how'd you guys do it? I should take a photo. Yeah. Um, we used hammer drills. Oh. Like a, and we just okay. made a giant circle. And mm -hmm. then like, kind of like we made the small, small, and then got the holes bigger and mm -hmm. bigger. And then like kind of broke sense. that, like broke the concrete in between. But dude, that concrete was just ridiculous. Yeah. Some A plus concrete, apparently. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and then it was from there, you, you just literally like dig it out. Yeah. Like, luckily, there was no bedrock under my house, but um, oh God. dig wow. it out, put it in, and then um, just pipe it out to the outside. Well, look at you, man. You're like, a, you're like and, a real homeowner. I thank you. Love you. And um, the radon system is it's just a fan, basically. So get, mm -hmm. there's like a dome that goes over, over the sump. Mm -hmm. and it just vacuums it out so like two pipes out there nice it was fun it was actually fun and um don't want to do anything else my basement i'm in the basement right now and it's still just a nightmare so <laughs> no that's impressive but, um, man that's... nice job i'm, uh, I'm impressed I went fishing and that's about it that was my okay. weekend okay how about you i need to talk about so Rachel and I, so we're moving. Need to right? talk. So I, I need, I need to, I need a vent about this. So yeah, I knew it was gonna be a vent, man. <laughs> I love so it. we're moving, and we're trying to get some new furniture so we can be adults and have matching furniture. So yeah. we tried getting a TV stand and coffee table set that would match our table, since Rachel stained our table. It looks fantastic now. Mm -hmm. So we found one on Amazon, had some great reviews, color was exactly what we wanted, ordered it, the TV stand came like in two days, 
super impressed. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. It looks exactly how we want Kept in the box. So that way we can just move over to the new place. Sitting in the corner right now. I'm looking right at it. And then, like, the tracking number says the coffee table will be there on, like, Wednesday. I'm like, all right, no problem. Wednesday comes. Says it's going to be there Thursday. Thursday comes. Says it's going to be there Friday. Friday comes. It's like, oh, it's a little delayed. We'll let you guys know. Uh, fast forward a little bit. It's just It just never came. So put in a little grief with Amazon and then Amazon. So it was like a third party thing. So the company refunded us and I was like, well, do you guys want the coffee table back or the TV stand back? And I think they're an international company because the emails weren't very clear and they never sent like a UPS label. So as it currently stands, we got a TV stand for free. (laughs) We, We made money on this. Um, but hilarious. I am still a little frustrated <laughs> we didn't get the, the coffee table to match a TV stand. So I guess I don't have a lot to vent about, but this whole process yeah. has been such an ordeal because I'm like, do they actually want this? Like, do I have to ship this back or are we keeping it? It's such like an up in the air mm-hmm. thing. So just keep it. Nothing. Oh, we're keeping it. Don't worry. Yeah. If they don't send it, I can't. I can't ship it back if they don't send the UPS label. So you're leaving. You're leaving. The Brooks. <laughs> what was our place called? The Brooks. The Brooks. Yeah, I'm leaving yeah. the Brooks. No, dude, are I you tried... going to go swimming one last time? Yeah, we're going to go this weekend. I tried emailing like the property manager to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to leave a little early if you guys, if whoever's taking over our lease, if they want to take it over earlier. If not, yeah. obviously, we'll keep paying it till, till July. Crickets. I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, forget you people. Just trying to make, your, trying to make everyone's lives easier. That's what yeah. I get. Trying to be a nice person. Ah, oh, dude. What? The Brooks. Dude, we were right next to each other. Yeah. That seems so long ago. Good it was. God. That was... When did you graduate? 2021. Yeah. So that was two years ago. Yeah. Wow. Oh, God. <laughs> no, was it 2021 or 2020 you, you left? Ooh, you know, I, honestly, it took me three years and seven months. I know that. So, okay, so it must have been yeah, it was twenty one then. Yeah, maybe. yeah, because you weren't there when I started as a PhD student. So this this time two years ago, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like yeah. literally this time. Yeah. I just remember, <laughs> I just remember that last day you packed everything up in your little box, and I just saw you just waltzing away. <laughs> but yeah, everything else is is going all right. So, um. Yeah, Rachel, so she is 100% officially certified in the state of Georgia to practice. She actually just got her licensing number today, funny enough. Mm -hmm. That was another ordeal. Sorry, quick tangent. So the her HR contact told her that she needed to go to the sheriff's office to do a background check in the county that that she's going to practice in. Mm -hmm. So she drove over there and like submitted the form, whatever. So then we fly home. And then she gets a call that like the form wasn't filled out correctly and she's freaking out and she doesn't know what to do. So we talk it out and she says, you know what? I'm going to fly down to Georgia on Wednesday morning, get the paperwork figured out and just fly back Wednesday night. And I was like, okay. So she did it. And then, yep. And then she gets another call from the Georgia people when she gets back and says that's that the sheriff's office messed up the paperwork. So she's like, do you need me to go back down there? She says, what do you, and they said, what are you talking about? Just mail it in. And she says, could I have mailed it in this entire time? 
And they said, yeah, did you go to the sheriff's office? You didn't need to. Just email us the, just mail us the form. Oh, God. And just the look that just washed over her face was just like, I hate everything right now. She's like, why did they tell me to go to the sheriff's office? Georgia. Oh, she felt so bad for her. Yeah, I bet you're rubbing off on her, dude. She probably, ah! <laughs> No, I'm doing great. What do you mean? <laughs> Do I look stressed? I'm feeling great. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying you're angry. You that would. I'm, I'm sure angry. that would peak you. You're angry. That would have got. No, I think I would have just laughed. <laughs> See, I, I honestly like would have just laughed. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta laugh to keep from crying. <laughs> but oh, let's go ahead and dive in. Yeah. So, okay. Colombian hippos. So first off, Riley, have you heard? Have you ever heard of cocaine hippos? That's what they're more colloquially known as. No, I haven't heard. No? I've heard of Cocaine Bear. I haven't watched the movie, but it's I know nothing that to do with Cocaine thing. Bear. I promise. <laughs> okay. These are not. These are not cracked out hippos. <laughs> Did you ever watch the show? <laughs> Did you ever watch the show Narcos? I did watch the great okay. show. Okay. Mm-hmm. So these these hippos belonged to Pablo Escobar. They were part of his personal zoo. Pablo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I first I first heard about these cocaine hippos while listening to a radio show on my way to work a couple of years ago. And I also watched Top Gear and they did an entire episode trying to like find the cocaine hippos and like take pictures of them and stuff. It was a really cool episode. They were just like they customized their cars and they were just trying to drive through the Colombian rainforest. So yeah, so so this story has been out there for a little bit, and I'm sure several, all maybe two of our seven listeners have maybe heard heard of this already. But I'm hoping to add a little more extra detail, even some science that's come out out of all of this, and why there's actually apparently some debate as to whether or not the hippos should actually be removed. So let's 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 go ahead and dive in. So let's go ahead and start with how exactly these hippos got to Colombia and why they're called cocaine hippos. So, like I already said, uh, these were part of Pablo Escobar's personal zoo. The notorious drug lord brought the hippos along with a whole menagerie of animals, including antelopes, giraffes, zebras, bison, ostrich, and even a rare goat species. (laughs) So, yeah, just a little tidbit in there for you, in case you're wondering. Didn't say what the species was, but it was a rare goat species, maybe an ibex. The zoo was part of Escobar's personal estate called Hacienda Napolis. The estate included a Spanish colonial house, a sculpture park, a private airport, and a Formula One-style racetrack on top of the previously mentioned zoo. After Escobar was killed by the Colombian government in 1993, Hacienda Napolis was seized. (laughs) 30 years later... Spoiler alert, everybody. Sorry. Sorry, guys. In case you didn't finish Narcos, my bad. I thought he was still going. (laughs) We should have put a spoiler alert in the in the top of this episode. We'll have to go back and (laughs) re-record. Man. So obviously the Colombian government wasn't willing to keep the drug lord zoo open. So Colombia arranged for the removal of all the animals in Escobar's collection. However, the government deemed the hippos too difficult to transport off-site and opted to just lock them in their enclosure so that they would just starve to death. Just kind of a clean oh, and cool. simple way to just get rid of them. <laughs> don't at that point, I don't know why they didn't just shoot them, but that, yeah, you know, they're not that inhumane, right, Riley? Jeez. Let them starve to death. 
So one way or another, the four hippos managed to escape, and they've been absolutely thriving since 1993, with population <laughs> estimates putting the population between 80 and 100 individuals. There we go. And, yeah. And since the hippos uh, were seen first inhabiting the Magdalena River in the following years after Escobar's death, the Colombian government immediately began working to remove the hippos, which proved pretty difficult. So, I think there are a couple reasons swim for in, that. Swimming down the river and then just a, a hippo, hippo pops man. up. Oh my the God. single deadliest uh, mammal on Earth, I think, aside from. Mm -hmm. Land mammal. How about that? I think except killer whales, maybe. Jeez, yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons that these hippos have been so hard to call, remove, whatever word you want to use, is that apparently Escobar was quite hospitable towards the poorer towns and neighborhoods surrounding the Hacienda Napolis. And the citizens of these towns saw the hippos as Escobar's kind of continued legacy, and they were very protective over the hippos and they were honestly outraged like absolute protests and like armed protests against the government when they tried to come out and shoot the hippos people were absolutely outraged Sounds like we figured out how they got released potentially yeah <laughs> i mean they are two ton animals so if they got hungry, I'm sure they could have just, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I don't know how secure their enclosures were. But yeah, maybe people, I'm, yeah, actually, that makes more sense. People just waltzed on over, like, oh, look, the hippos are there. Just open the I gate. I just like to think, like, the thinnest chain and, like, just the tiniest <laughs> padlock. And they're like, this is good. Looks good to me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Two tons. That's just. Yeah. Like, Males can get over 4,000 pounds. Females, I think, top out uh, around 3,500 pounds. Only. So, only. So, on top of that, the hippos are apparently right at home in the dense Colombian rainforest, making them pretty hard to actually find. So, to help curb the public outrage around calling the hippos, the government implemented a sterilization program in 2009, along with a relocation program. However, the relocation program uh, was less preferred due to the cost of shipment and threat to human safety related to transporting yeah. these two-ton behemoths. So Jeez. actually getting them out of the jungle may not be that easy. So, yeah. So all that being said, not all the experts have a negative view towards these animals, even from a scientific standpoint. Yes, they are an exotic species, and the Colombian government continually cites the threat to native mammals and humans, due to the hippos being aggressively territorial as reasons for them needing to be removed, but it just might not be that simple. So there appears to be a scientific debate surrounding the impact that the Earth's largest invasive species is having on the Magdalena River. So let's take a closer look. Now, in their native African range, hippos are valuable ecosystem engineers similar to how beavers can transform a landscape, so too can hippos. Uh, the hippos' intense grazing creates fast feeding lawns that dramatically alter the local plant community. Their immense bodies can create channels in swampland that improve flow and reduce the amount of stagnant water. And perhaps more importantly, their excrement brings a lot of nutrients into the water that they inhabit, which supports phytoplankton and therefore an entire aquatic food web in the ponds, lakes, or rivers <laughs> that they reside in. Oh, man. What you got, Riley? <laughs> You're giggling. I'm just, 
an entire food web I just, supported you know, by poop? Is that what it is? We got 80, 80 guys, you know, just pay somebody, you know, on a weekend, have a have a guy's weekend and we could be done with this, you know. <laughs> just, oh, can you eat hippo? You're looking it up? I'm looking it up. The skin, which grows up to two inches thick and exudes Ooh. a red slime that acts as the natural sunblock, probably doesn't have make a very good something with an accent. Hippos are Peach still bones. eaten in their... Yeah. <laughs> um, possible upside to eating Pablo Escobar's hippos. That's on Vice. <laughs> see. Is, it's it, too is t- it legal to eat hippo? It's two tons Man. worth of meat, you know? You can do whatever you want. Don't don't ask the web, the Google. You just is hippo meat poisonous? No, humans cannot eat hippo meat. Okay, so it's um let's, let's just say the jury's still out. The the internet. Why would it be poisonous is my question. I don't know. <laughs> it tastes mild. Mild, less than lamb, more like beef, slightly right. more marbled, obviously. <laughs> What kind of Reddit? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going everywhere. Yeah. Where did you go? Um. Yeah, that's from the donut hole. That's why they said parasites and disease. That's why they can't eat. Uh, okay. But um, it's legal. You can do it. You can do it. Oh, okay. it's very rare and considered a luxury. So oh. it's all over the board. Everyone. Well, it's, it seems to be a mixed bag. Maybe just cook it thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, this one says selling hippo meat is illegal. So, okay, I'm stopping. Yeah. Sorry. Each one says something different. That's very surprising. Usually there's at least some kind of through line. Okay. So, where was I? So, <laughs> so yeah. So, they support an entire aquatic food web with their excrement. They are also fiercely territorial and hold the title of Africa's most deadly animal, aside from mosquitoes, claiming roughly 3,000 lives per year although it's important to note that no deaths or even injuries have been reported in Colombia from the hippos. So in their new habitat of the Colombian rainforest, uh, hippos have a similar ecological impact as their waste introduces nutrients into the rivers and ponds that they inhabit, along with creating channels in the stream bank that can alter the structure and flow of rivers and wetlands. From a scientific standpoint, there have been a handful of studies that try to quantify if or to what extent the hippos are altering their new surroundings. A 2020 study by Jonathan Shuren et al. published in Ecology is one such study. So Shuren and the rest of the team sampled 14 small ponds around Hacienda Napolis three times between April 2017 and September 2018. Two of the 14 ponds had hippos present and the other 12 did not. So during each sampling venture, the researchers collected water to measure phytoplankton pigments along with other water quality parameters like particulate and dissolved carbon, total nitrogen, conductivity, pH, and temperature. They also collected water to identify and count phytoplankton to see if there were any distinct differences in the phytoplankton communities, and they did the same for zooplankton communities as well. So Shuren found that the hippos were in fact transporting nutrients from the terrestrial plants into the ponds that they resided in, as evidenced by heavier stable carbon isotope signatures in the ponds that resided in hippos. So terrestrial plants have heavier uh, carbon isotope signatures 
than aquatic plants or phytoplankton. So if you're seeing more of that heavier carbon in the water, it's from plants. So that's that was their kind of rationalization there. Okay. Uh, this also showed in the overall daily productivity of the hippo-containing ponds, which had greater fluctuations of daily dissolved nitrogen uh, oxygen. Rather, however phytoplankton abundance wasn't any greater in hippo ponds which went against the author's original hypothesis so they were seeing more kind of productivity but they weren't seeing more phytoplankton if that makes sense which didn't really make sense to me but was was an interesting nonetheless so what was different in the phytoplankton community though was that the species uh, were present were dominated by cyanobacteria in the hippo ponds rather than the non-hippo ponds and they didn't really explain why this was my only guess is that hippos stir up a lot of mud when they're moving around so hippo ponds are more turbid this makes it harder for algae to photosynthesize and become abundant but cyanobacteria can do fairly well compared to kind of green algae or other types of algae uh, in these more turbid environments so in this case it didn't seem like the hippos were having a tremendous impact on the systems they reside in but Shuren and the other authors are quick to point out that all the ponds in the study are in an agricultural watershed. So therefore, it's they, everything was kind of already pretty produ pretty productive as it was. Their chlorophyll numbers were around 50 micrograms per liter, so way higher than they should be in a typical system, right? We're talking about that eutrophic cutoff of around 20 micrograms per liter, usually we think about. So they were already getting a lot of nutrient rich ag runoff so when you're trying to factor in the nutrients coming from the hippos it was kind of small in comparison to all that nutrient rich runoff so hippo ponds in africa can be absolutely packed with animals which certainly wasn't the case in colombia but the authors do want to warn that the hippos appear to be reproducing very easily and current estimates have them at nearly 800 individuals by 2040 and 7,000 by 2060 and we're going to get a little further into some of these uh, population estimates here in a minute. So some several several other key studies like STEERS in 2018, published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, have quantified uh, impacts that hippos have in their native regions. STEERS found that hippos encourage eutrophication and drastically affect biodiversity in African ponds, rivers, and wetlands particularly during the dry season. So there is some potential cause for concern here if the hippo population starts to get out of hand. And it is also important to note that in this region of South America, they do have distinctive wet and dry seasons. So if you're having areas that dry up, less water volume, you're going to have a greater impact of those nutrients actually entering the system. Hmm. So what's the next step, Riley? Well, that's tough to say, but a 2021 study by Casablanco Martinez et al., published in Biological Conservation, took a modeling-based approach to try to understand how successful different management strategies could be and how bad things could get if something isn't done soon. So the team started with a population viability analysis, or PVA, to quantify how much the hippo population will grow given the amount of space and resources currently available to them without human intervention. They scoured the literature for important information they needed for the model, like average age of males and females uh, when they produce their first offspring, maximum age of reproduction for males and females, number of offspring produced, mortality rates as the hippos age, and so on. 
this PVA model was pretty accurate at estimating the current population size and estimated that given the current situation, roughly 70 new hippos will enter the population each year, reaching 783 individuals by 2034 and reaching their estimated carrying capacity or the maximum number of individuals a given environment can sustain at roughly 1,400 hippos by 2039. So that 2039 number is one we're gonna come back to a little bit. So given no intervention, they're gonna reach carrying capacity by 2039. So we're gonna keep referencing that number in the next couple of sections here. So after this initial analysis, the team re-ran that PVA, but factored in a government sterilization program so they tested this model under four different sterilization rates of less than one hippo per year, six hippos per year, 10 hippos per year, and 16 hippos per year. The scary thing for me is that the results didn't really change. They just got delayed, except in the first scenario, of course, because sterilizing less than one hippo per year on average is really going to change things. Now is it? So, But even in the second scenario, when six hippos per year were sterilized every year, the population still reaches carrying capacity, but does so in 2043 rather than 2039. And even in the third scenario, by sterilizing 10 hippos per year, the population reaches carrying capacity only six years later than with no sterilization at around 2045. And lastly, in that fourth scenario, by sterilizing 16 hippos per year, the population again is expected to reach carrying capacity, but does so in 2053 rather than 2039 in the original model. So it doesn't seem like sterilization or castration is really the solution to the hippo problem, potentially. So what about what about just removing them? So that's something they, they looked at as well. So they again retuned their population viability model again this time under the remove different removal or extraction rates, whatever you want to call it. This time they tested three scenarios, a low extraction rate of 10 hippos removed per year, a medium rate of 20 per year, and a high extraction rate of 30 hippos removed per year. Now, by removing 10 hippos per year, the population would again still reach carrying capacity not long uh, after then with no intervention, in this case by 2044. By removing 20 hippos per year, the model starts to show some negative growth in the years right immediately following the start, uh, meaning that the hippos are being removed faster than they're being introduced. But the population would theoretically, according to this model, be able to rebound and still reach carrying capacity, this time in 2074 rather than 2039. So again, you're seeing the same result. It's just happening later. So I don't know if that's really better in, in the long run. But it's only by removing 30 hippos per year that the population is able to be theoretically eradicated. And they said that it would only require 13 years of management under this strategy. So let me kind of take a step back here and we can talk about some of the issues I have with this analysis. <laughs> so I, I have a couple concerns with how this data is presented. Um, so like I said, I, I thought we'd talk about it here before I move on. So first, I don't I don't quite understand why they bother doing a separate analysis for sterilization versus removal, because to me, either way, they aren't contributing to the population. So I don't, it, do, it doesn't make sense as to why you separate them. Cause to me, it makes sense. It seems like they're trying to push one versus the other, mm -hmm. right? Because they're trying, it seems like they're saying that straight up removing the hippos is better. 
but they didn't compare the same removal rates. So if you sterilized, yeah. if you sterilized 30 hippos per year, would you get the same result as removing 30 hippos per year? You should. Right? I guess the only thing would be like if they're still in the population, maybe they would be competing to like reduce. But that yeah, but if anything, capacity. that should be that should help the model. Like that that should yeah. help them be eradicated faster in the sterilization way. And they're being more yeah. territorial. Yeah. They have more confrontation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there'd be less room. Yeah. So I didn't to me this I don't know. That didn't make sense to me. Um and I I don't really want to tear this apart because it's a theoretical <laughs> model. There's there's still some value here. Um mm-hmm. but assuming the government can find at least 30 hippos per year for the next 13 years just doesn't make sense to me. And I understand that the results are probably more to show people that this is that this situation requires this much effort to fix it rather than saying, hey, this is more feasible than we expect. I think it's more saying this is way less feasible than we expect. Like, guys, we're way in over our heads here. I think they're just trying to quantify that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then them, like I said, just the way they present the data where they're they seem to be saying that removing the hippos is better, but we just talked about earlier how the government said that it doesn't, it's not viable because it's too expensive. So I don't know if you had anything else to add on top of that. I got one. Yeah. Uh, first off, interesting, weird, <laughs> but you know, pheasants in the U S they're, they're invasive, right? But they don't kill people. Um, so you know what? That's true, Riley. That's I a feel great like they're point. just being around the bush to be like, dude, just get in there and get up. Like, just, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, don't, no need to sterilize, no need to remove, just kablammo, let yeah. the nutrients go back. Um, I mean, that sounds crass, right? But it's like, I, sometimes you, you're it's at risk it takes, of killing right? people as it like to remove them. Yeah. Like, yeah, you sneaking up to dart them versus, yeah, just saying mm-hmm. bye-bye. I don't know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like we're... it's like, yeah, the giant invasive. It's like, dude, get them out of there now. Yeah, I would I would agree, but it seems like there there's some cause for hesitation here. This is what um, I do. Okay, you ready? That's true. That's true. If You're... the locals liked them, I would have I'd let the government reopen Pablo's zoo, put him back in the zoo, be like you can you can look at the zoo. See? But then you have to capture 80 yeah, to 100 like... hippos and put them back in the zoo. No, 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 no. I'm not saying like I would just get like four, you know what I'm saying? You know. And oh, I see rest, what you're saying. Same, you're bye saying bye. take. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Just you're take like, a hey, couple. Hippo, be like the hippos are still here, guys. Don't worry. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You can go look at them. I see what They're you're not saying. causing any harm. <laughs> make it a zoo. Make it a public zoo. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You pay to see the hippos. You can feed the hippo, but they ain't out there <laughs> wrecking things, man. No, I I agree. Uh, we'll get we'll get to some more of this at the very end. I still have a little oh. bit to get through here. So there is a second a second kind of larger part to Casablanco Martinez's analysis here, and that looked at habitat suitability. This is way less interesting, but I still think it's worth mentioning here. So this is just to look at habitat suitability or how far the hippos could theoretically spread. So this is a common method used when studying invasive species. So it can give a rough <laughs> idea of how big of an area researchers and managers need to go to eliminate the invasive species. I'm sure I'm kind of preaching to the choir here to Riley, but I just like me, the I like a, a all red map. Like how far <laughs> can they go? Be like honestly, anywhere. Honestly, the, 
<laughs> yeah, you you literally yeah you kind of undercut <laughs> me there, but yeah. Oh man. I mean, yeah, it's not too surprising. So they just found the hippos have a nearly limitless boundary <laughs> to spread throughout Colombia and very likely outside of the country. And Jesus. even with it being unsurprising, it makes it probably more impactful and sobering because it essentially means that managers and the Colombian government are on the clock here. So that if something's not done now to curb their growth and spread of these hippos, they'll be too widespread if they aren't already to feasibly try and capture or call every single hippo. Like you're at the point now where like, if they get across the Colombian border, I mean, you're looking at international crisis right now. Uh, This is just ridiculous. Oh, oh, don't worry. There's more. Get rid of those bad boys. I mean, I feel bad for the hippos. They didn't do anything wrong, but it's like the hippos man. fall, Riley. It's not the hippos' fault. Okay, Pablo's if paradox. I'm, Can we call? If it like- I'm not mistaken, too, this is a hundred percent tangent. Um, but when I was looking up research for this uh, piece, I stumbled. I did not read the article. I should have, but I headline surfed it, and there apparently was a case brought in. I think in New York State Court that about the hippo. Yeah, that people were like, you have to treat the hippos like people. I don't know why. Let me look it up. I'm I'm gonna let me see. Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos are people too. This is what it says. Uh US court rules. Recognition as interested persons is a legal first in the US, <laughs> allowing animals to have their interests heard in court. <laughs> The offspring oh, no. of hippos. This is this is from the Guardian. Uh, the offspring of hippos, once owned by Colombian drug kingpin Pablo Escobar, can be recognized as people or interested persons with legal rights in the U.S. following a federal court order. The case involves a lawsuit against the Colombian government over whether to kill or sterilize the hippos, whose numbers are growing at a fast pace and pose a threat to biodiversity. An animal rights group is hailing the order as a milestone victory in the long-standing efforts to sway the U.S. justice system to grant animals personhood status. The order will not carry any weight in Colombia where the hippos live. A legal I was going to say, that's great, but it's not Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of that whole article. It, of course, carries no weight where it actually matters. <laughs> Colombia's like... Thanks. Gracias. <laughs> like, um, I'm sorry, but this isn't in your backyard. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I just, I don't know how that got to court. I don't know what, but yeah, so it's a thing. Um, so there you go. But so to circle back around to what I said earlier, several scientists are quite vocal in their support for just leaving the hippos where they are. A Danish biologist at Aarhus University penned an open letter in 2017 in the journal Perspectives in Ecology and Conservation claiming that the hippos are simply filling an ecological niche that was left vacant when the massive toxodons went extinct about 20,000 years ago. Uh, I forgot about the toxodons. Yeah, so I'll I'm going to stop you at Danish researcher. <laughs> you know, he's not, like not, in not Columbia, even in mean? the country. So I'll admit, I don't know anything about toxodons or how they went extinct, but according to a quick Google search I did, there is evidence to suggest that it could have been a combination of human overhunting and natural predation. All that being said, 
I'm willing to bet that the Colombian rainforests have changed a lot in the last 10 or 20,000 years. So I feel like that niche has probably been filled, but hard to say, I suppose. So yeah. all that being said, uh, filling an ancient niche isn't the only positive that's been pointed out. Apparently, researchers are claiming that the eutrophication and anoxia episodes are actually a good thing because <laughs> they help prevent a single fish, invertebrate, or plankton species from dominating a pond or wetland. And as much as I want to like this idea because I'm a glass half full kind of guy, I'm not sure I could say eutrophication is a positive thing in good faith. There, there still could be a dominant fish from like the the. Um... If anything, it's encouraging the dominant fish because yeah, it's, it's the it's fish causing, that are more yeah the resource are, to be in limbo. Yeah, the ones that are more tolerant of low DO are going to yeah. dominate. Yeah, and gonna, the, like it's going to open up a niche. And the cyanobacteria are going to dominate because it's eutrophic. I didn't understand that logic, but that was just what they threw out there. Yeah. So, mm. so what's the what's the solution, Riley? I mean, I have two ideas. I got one. <laughs> I mean, I have one idea that probably should happen, and then I have the other one. Well, I guess I have three. Um, so uh, I guess I re- nah, I really only got two. So option one is to start relocate- relocating them back to Africa, an area where they're threatened. That won't happen because it's too expensive. So option two, um, is just call them right. I'm not a conservation biologist, but that seems like the like the obvious answer. What did you say? Did you say just call them? Call, call, call. C U L L. I don't mean call them. I don't, like, I don't think they got. Get them on the phone. Re- I don't think they have reception down there, Riley. <laughs> just talk some sense into them. <laughs> <That'll be> so- <laughs> Wait, what if we got all the hippos and? Oh, they can't swim. I was going to say, just swim them across the ocean, but they don't swim. That's the thing. They actually hop. Yeah. We just get them like buoys. <laughs> just tie them all together. <laughs> oh, dear. So what would you think, Riley? Did you learn anything today about um, Colombian yeah, hippos? Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I like my idea of opening up the reopening Pablo Zoo. Um, ecotourism's huge. It's You're not right. the hippo's fault. They're just doing their thing, but mm-hmm. at the end of the I mean, day, it's an invasive that can. It's gonna get you. out of hand quick. Yeah. Yeah, but. I know. It's like, dude, like, just I don't know. Just do it. I, I mean, I've never you know? been to Colombia, which may surprise a lot of people. <laughs> I never stepped foot in. I actually Columbia. really want to go to Colombia, but I, would love I to go to can't imagine that the Colombian rainforest is an easy place to traverse. So. Yeah trying to eliminate first off trying to capture them and get them out i don't see how that's possible you have to because you can't they're two tons you can't move them you're gonna you're yeah. gonna bring a tractor in there i the, like, the, the idea like filling an open or available niche is i don't know that seems like a farce to me too you know what i'm saying like there's like said, there was something there utilizing it it's been vacant for 10 to twenty thousand years yeah so like don't uh, they have those like uh rodent eating like those giant rodents down there oh capybara yes they do yeah like dude don't they eat marshy foods yeah i mean they're not that's the the also thing so they talk so they talk about ecosystem engineers they that's a niche like that hasn't been there so that that ecosystem has adapted without that 
So it's like, so when people say that it's filling a niche, what, you know, like, it's like, they're saying that it's filling a niche that has been vacant. It's like, yeah, but the natural order. So that went extinct. And then the ecosystem has adapted without that there. And then you're bringing an exotic animal in and you're saying it's okay because a similar animal did maybe a similar job 20,000 years ago. Yeah. Um, you're changing the entire yeah. landscape of of the wetland and the river system. I just I can't get behind that. Yeah, it doesn't um, make sense to me. I mean, logically, I think we all know weird. what the simple solution is, because you're not going to get a two ton. You're not going to roll a two ton hippo out of the rainforest easily. Uh, yeah, so. and I'm being a little crass and sing songish, but like, dude, make an event out of it. You know what I'm saying? And like, you could have a whole invasive removal. Like, I mean, so the state thing. of Florida does their it's um what do they call it let me look it up the python removal yeah it's like a pipe they have a they have a whole name for it um florida python it's just python challenge it's the florida python (laughs) challenge yeah they have cash prizes and everything Mm -hmm. what's frightening is how what's frightening is like how i the first year they did it hold on i have the numbers here let me pull it up so Hold on, I have the stuff. This is totally going off record, or not even off record, just total tangent. People, if you want to keep the keep it rolling, we'll do it live. Let me just pull up the stat. You're gonna love this. Matt has his Python folder. <laughs> this was a trivia question the, I did. Got the numbers here. <laughs> <laughs> this was a trivia question I did um, last time we did trivia. So I'm gonna try. Okay. Let's see. Let's Man, see how well you so do. Much. Uh, so much. See, oh, I sure hope I kept it. What's the question? Like how big? Let me ponder. It was how many. It, it was how many they got. Oh God, that just makes me like I don't know. Ugh. Uh, I bet oh, fifteen hundred. I might not have it. What I do with it? All right, hold on. Ugh. I'll find it. But it was something along the lines of. So there were like the first one. Stop. I know the first one was $10, in like thousand dollars. You could win. Yeah. The first one was in like 2013 and they did it for like a month. So the question was given like a month's worth of hunting. And I think there were, I'm going to, I can't remember. I think there were like 300 people. How many pythons do you think they caught? Uh, for month, 300 people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 12, 1200 Python. It was like, I think it was like 50 or something. It was a stupid oh, okay. low number. It was <laughs> such a low number. I, I was just shooting for the, I mean, I was going to say, I can imagine they're like perfectly adapted, right? Like oh, they're yeah. not, they don't <laughs> want to be seen. They're right at home. Dude, I'm looking at the toolkit. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. It shows you how to humanely kill a Python. F off, man. Those things, that's crazy. Yeah, no. Oh, I found it. Okay, hold on. All right. Here you go. I got the question for you. Uh, I had it on my. All right. So, Florida Python Challenge was started in 2013 by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission in an effort to incentivize removal of the invasive species. In the inaugural competition, 1,600 hunters were given special permits to hunt for 30 days from early January to early February. All the hunters were competing for cash prizes for longest snake and most snakes captured. How many total python total pythons? were captured during the 30-day challenge in 2013. You said about like 300-ish? Yeah. It was 68. 
Sheesh. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm looking at the two-step method for humanely killing Python. <laughs> Step right, one, think, target, the, target the brain. I think we got to end the podcast at some point. Wait, but this is just you have to step one is target the brain. Okay. Step two is destroy the brain. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. I think I would have figured that out. It said draw an imaginary X. No way. And then it's like scramble it like an egg. No way. Destroy the brain. No way. I think it could just be a one step process. All right, on that note, um, <laughs> if you guys have any Sorry. feedback on our on this show or any ideas for a future podcast, feel free to shoot us an email. It's fwperspectivespodcast at gmail.com. I'll see you later, Riley. All right, we'll see you. Bye.